humans are the only mammals that fear birth. It's so true. I just had a patient and she was so scared one day in my office and I didn't know this because she's like, she's a strong woman. She's a runner. She's fit. She's she's someone I encouraged in her pregnancy for health, but like I didn't really have to tell her much. She was already doing all of the things. And at like 36 weeks, she got really tearful and said to me, I'm so scared, Tracy. And she was just like, you fear in her face. And I was just like, all this time I'm talking about all this stuff and really the only thing she needed to hear from me her entire pregnancy is how strong she is and that she didn't need to fear this that she, all the tools that she needed to become a mother to give birth were all inside her and she was kind of wait, like she was looking to me for these things she and I had many conversations from there on out and she rocked birth um she delivered the day before I left for Hawaii and um, she posted the next day when I got on my flight a picture of herself and it, the hashtag was like woman power, strong moms, like everything that I had not heard her say during her entire pregnancy. And I don't know, it just like that's that's money for me. Like yeah, that's cool. You did your she job. She just needed to know that everything she needed is really within her You're listening to the Forging Fury podcast, a show dedicated to bettering lives through fitness, nutrition, and inspiring stories from athletes of every stripe. What's going on, sweet people? This is Coach Riley, and today on the Forging Fury podcast, I'm here with my friend Michael Gray and also our coach slash friend, Tracy Burns. Tracy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. What have you done so far today? I have um, worked out. Okay. I helped a little bit get food ready for field day here at Fury because we have that every year. And um, I ran out to catch a baby a little earlier. You caught today. a baby today. Yes, I well, caught, we're gonna get caught into a baby what today. You do for fun on, uh, on later, but yeah, if they don't know you, that kind of sounds yeah. weird. I caught a baby <laughs> yeah. falling from the sky. That what might happened? be something different in the streets, though. Yeah, I caught a baby does sound a little strange. I like to avoid saying I delivered a baby mm. because that kind of takes credit away from mom and all the work she's doing. So I'm just kind of mm. there. You're just a, like a guy of out. some sort. Yeah. Was it a boy or a girl? A baby girl. A baby girl. A big old baby girl. Really? Yeah. How big? She was a little over nine pounds. Yeah. Wow. Is that a big baby? This yeah, is a that's de- big. This is a decent size. How big are babies I- normally? Average size babies, <laughs> probably about seven and a half pounds. Well, yeah. if you haven't put this together yet, Tracy actually is a certified nurse midwife. So yeah, Tracy, let's get into that a little bit. Um, I know you've been a longtime coach at Fury, so... But I honestly want to talk about this first. I, okay. I think it's very, very uh, interesting. Tell us about that. How, do, how does yeah. that work? So I was a bedside nurse for 13 years. Um, I had a bachelor's degree in the science of nursing. And I actually um, did labor and delivery for about a year and um, found myself um, oftentimes drifting towards the babies. Um, So I kind of left labor and delivery quickly after um, graduating nursing school and I went into neonatal ICU for 13 years. Um, In 2015, I decided I wanted to advance my career and this all kind of stemmed from um, ICU is kind of like acute care, meaning like you're really dealing with kind of life-saving stuff, but like 
I didn't have a long-term impact on these people. Like I had a long-term impact in a sense, like their life going forward. But some of the things that um, got them in the NICU in the first place, maybe premature delivery or, um, you know, they were coming off of, um, you know, exposure to drug abuse in pregnancy. And I got really frustrated with doing the same thing all the time. And I kind of felt like I didn't have that big of an impact mm. and that, Maybe if I backed up a little bit and got a hold of people um, at younger ages, I would have um, the ability to shift maybe them ever even being in the NICU in the first place. So I think that's kind of what made me advance my degree. Mm -hmm. Um, I had always been in what we call WIS in the health world, women and infant services. Like yeah, I'd you're always have to, uh, yeah. chill with the terminal, yeah. uh, like the medical terminology because okay, so, me and Michael are just two meatheads okay. over here. So you're going to slow it down for us. So in the healthcare <laughs> world, you hear things like ICU, um, adult health, pediatrics, mm-hmm. neonatal world. Um, I have always been um, in all of my career taking care of either a baby or a mother. And when you take care of a baby, you definitely take care of a mother. Um, So I knew I wasn't really wanting to shift into just general primary care because I I love you boys, but Mm. that's not my cup of tea. That's not my specialty area. In the words of Beyonce, girls run the world. So I don't blame (laughs) you. So um, it kind of stems back to my sister, Mika, had a um, baby when I was really young. Hold on, your sister's name is Mika? My sister's name is Mika. And your name's I, Tracy. Yeah, I know. Right. I have <laughs> three sisters and Mika has a different name than all of us. All right, Mika. <laughs> my sister was 18 when she had her first baby, which was the first grandbaby in our family. So I was 14 years old. And... Um, I think that that had a really profound impact probably on why I do what I do today. I found it fascinating, maybe backing up a little bit more. um, I've always loved babies. Like I always was the child that while the other kids were playing, I'm like, give me the baby. Like (laughs) any baby I could get a hold of, like they teased that I was a baby whisperer. I was babysitting kids when I was like eight years old without parents around. They were all, my mom would be like, she's eight years old. Don't leave your baby with her. She's too young. Yeah. And I did it for free. Um, so I always had a love and a passion for babies. Um, but At 14, I watched my sister get really sick. She was a young teenage pregnancy Mm. and um, my nephew had some complications at birth and I really like took care of her during her pregnancy because she was like on the soccer team and was a tomboy and Mm. had, this was like out of the blue, like she was not motherly at all. So as her little sister, I was kind of by her side, her whole pregnancy fettered and I was just coming off a really... I want to say bad time in my life, but I think all 14 or 13 year old girls are coming off a bad time in their life. <laughs> it's just like, a bad year. It's a period of rapid change and like kind of finding yourself and coming into your womanhood. But anyways, um, I had a good friend pass away mm. when I was about 14 and unfortunately like at my house in my backyard in wow. front of me. Okay. And it brought a lot of guilt and lots of emotion and I had to kind of grow up really quickly. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that's probably what stimulated my healthcare Mm. or my love of healthcare. 
Okay, so I didn't you, you think pick- that I was going to like get emotional oh, God, about that. I'm crying, sorry. Crying no. is allowed. When, First when, of when, all, I do not cry. <laughs> it's not a well, thing. No. Well, when Hannah was here, we definitely did. I did some crying. There was definitely some onions that were okay. being chopped up in, yes. the, in here. But okay. um, you so, guys can cry, not me. Yeah, I'll all cry, right. dude. I'm cool with that. Um, so you have this epiphany of like, hey, I want to do more within my field. Mm-hmm. I want to go a different direction. How'd you go about doing that? And what was the schooling like? And like, what did you have yeah. to do to kind of make that next step? Right. So I just, I went back to school uh, for a postgraduate degree. Where'd you go? Um, I went to University of Cincinnati. I Go Bearcats? Go Bearcats. So I chose that school because there are no midwifery in-state midwifery schools because although I would say midwifery is growing, you would hear people say it's new. It's actually not new at all. It's old as time. Um, midwives and lay women have been delivering babies long before medicine or obstetricians. What do you mean lay, men, lay women? Like uh, your neighbor comes over and your mother comes with her and your sister. So and there's like a squad of, of a women squad that are going to take care of you. Yeah. yeah but, like untrained. Like they're, oh. they're not trained they officially not, for it. But Yeah. Like before medicine was medicine, mm. before there was training, birth was just something that occurred, right? Like mm. that's how we got here. Um, so I I always like to remind people of that because I hear a lot of people say like, yeah, there's like this new midwifery thing. And really midwives did, um, the majority of births up until obstetrics became a big thing around the 19, I'm bad at history, but 1940s (laughs) history is hard for me. Not that long, um, though. So anyway, um, finding a school was hard finding preceptors was harder and preceptors meaning um, people who who would train me here, who would take responsibility for me meeting criteria that were met by my school. Um, So I found a couple, they fell through. Um, The biggest obstacle was that there weren't midwives other than at Del Webb. There really weren't a lot of midwives practicing in hospitals. And I had really wanted to do the hospital route, because of my experience in neonatal ICU, what I found was I didn't think that you needed to either be high risk or low risk. Like your choices, you birth at home in your bathtub or you come into the hospital and you have every intervention thrown at you. Mm -hmm. I felt like a hospital should be a place where anybody can go and you get a choice in your care. Um, If you don't want an epidural, you don't get an epidural. If you want an epidural, you Mm -hmm. get one. Like um, so it was pretty passionate about that, um, which isn't always welcomed in the midwifery community. They they use words like medwife, meaning that I'm medicalizing birth mm. and, and whatnot. But anyhow, so that was three years of my life. That was pretty crazy. And Sound like it was pretty challenging. It was challenging. Okay. So you just go, you finish that up. Mm-hmm. Do you, can you tell me about the first like experience you had? Like, okay, so you got all your degrees, you're you're ready to roll. Like, can you name baby number one or like, is that street legal? Can we do that? Um, first baby born was like, were the nerves there? Anxiety? Like, were you prepared for that at all? Or was it just like, you had to learn it all on the fly? Um, well I had delivered a hundred babies prior to being on my own. So you had a little bit of experience. There's (laughs) nerves for sure. Um, it's really funny because my nature is to be an anxious person. Mm. And, um, she was a mother who had moved here from another state and she was really anxious about finding the right provider. And, um, we just hit it off. I, she was coming actually to see me, which was my first patient that actually was seeking a midwife. That's really cool. 
And she was the most delightful, like just experienced mom. She was perfect for me. She was had first three no? babies oh, okay. unmedicated. This was baby number four. So this was almost like a like a this layup was, for you. This like this is a God like, gave her <laughs> yeah, to me on exactly. a silver platter. Yeah, and perfect. So, so yeah. you delivered your first baby. Now, how many babies are you in? Have you lost count? <sighs> I'm really ashamed to say that I have, but I'm I'm creeping up on 200. Wow, yeah. that's 200 is a big number. Yeah. I think, so me, Tracy, and a whole bunch of our friends went out to get pizza somewhere the other day and some lady was our waitress and she's like, Tracy, like, you look familiar to me. Like, she's like, I think you delivered my baby. And Tracy's like, are you sure? Like, and then like three minutes later, she's like, yep, I know who you are. I know who you are. So like, she's just a celebrity in in Goodyear area. In in my defense though, that feels really bad because I think I can say almost all people that have delivered their baby, I know their face, Mm. I know their name, like right off the bat, but that was a unique situation because she was not my patient mm. and I happened to be at the hospital and she was p- delivering and no one was around and someone grabbed me and said, can you come in? So it was more like me trying to be protective of her space. I caught her baby, put her baby on her chest and then saw my way out. Because Is that how I it works? Like if you're just around and there's a baby, they're like, hey, we need you. Like we if, need the closer. Bring yeah. the lefty in. <laughs> if it is one of the docs in my practice, so I work with five physicians. If it's one of their patients and they're not around, definitely they will come and grab me. Um, which is such a blessing, but also when you don't know somebody like birth is such a sacred time. Like I'm, too, I want to yeah, be the wallflower. In, like I'm, I'm there to make sure baby's safe. Mom is safe. But as soon as that baby's out, placenta is mm. delivered. I'm not, it's not like I, I am Tracy, but you know, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, I, I want to make I sure. I get squeamish. If I see blood, I can't imagine how that would work for me. But <laughs> there's a lot of that plus other things. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just it's living in the world. You know what? <laughs> One day. Whoa, a lot of smells. Hold on, you can't. Yeah. Oh, no, all birth right. has a lot of smell. But you um, know what? When it's yours, it won't bother you. True. Yeah. I can. Uh, yeah, I don't care if that kid if it comes does out with three you, heads. Make I'm sure be, someone catches you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what side of the curtain I want to be on yet. You're going to be on the side of the curtain with your wife. You think? You can't rock out 19.5 the way that you did and then bail on childbirth. No, like, no, no. I want to be there, but I want to like, if I can catch the baby, I want to, if like, if I can be the person to hold my baby. Well, Is that possible? you have me as your midwife you will be the first person nice. to catch your baby right. if right. that's what you to want to guarantee you heard it here first find a wife before you yeah. use the midwife though. yeah exactly <laughs> come on let's, let's get you a good wife first. well i don't know but that's a whole nother episode but uh <laughs> come on ladies you hear his voice he's a good looking guy that's why we're on the podcast because i'm hard to look at so tracy you've got tons of experience with with your with your midwifery i'm using my new word from your story and you probably wouldn't say this yourself it seems like you're like a trailblazer for for, for the midwifery in this area and you're do, trying to do your own thing yeah. So thanks for yeah. calling me a trailblazer. trailblazer. That's a cool term. <laughs> I don't want to take any credit from all the awesome midwives here in the West Valley, though, that have been pioneering this for the last 30 years, because there are a lot of them. Um, and they really mentored me and encouraged me. Um, they, there, if there wasn't Beethoven, there'd be no Biggie Small. So <laughs> like, right. you know. they did tell me that I didn't stand a chance in hell of ever bringing midwifery services to Banner Estrella. Um, Banner Australia is my baby and I had worked there for 10 years in their NICU and I thought why should people have to drive to Thunderbird or Banner University to have good care like I'm going to bring midwifery services here I'm going to pound down this door whether they like it or not that's what we're about um and so how did that come about tell us about that It's a long story. What it really boils down to is probably three things. Um, God is good. Mm. 
I am annoyingly persistent. My one of my gifts in life is endurance, <laughs> stamina, um, and I don't take no for an answer. I don't know in which order that would go. Probably God first, but I had a really two really good men that um, helped me fight. Um, James Johnson at West Valley Women's, who is the head of OB at Estrella. Uh, um, he just he helped me a lot and I wouldn't be there one I hands down if it weren't for him. Um, and then Dr. Oland, who is one of the docs at Australia Women's Health Center. When I lost my um, contract with a midwife, um, he was a friend of mine and he was like, I don't want to see you not graduate because that's really where, mm. what I was looking at um, or have to go out of state and leave your kids to train for the next nine months. Um, so he, he helped, they all kind of pulled together and I did deliveries with all the docs in my practice and the docs at West Valley women's and they were so gracious. And so I wouldn't have been able to do any of that without them. Um, I don't think they wanted midwives. Mm. Um, actually the practice that I was with that trained me said, Tracy, we love you. We'll train you. But we don't, don't try midwifery is not a thing we're going to be doing. I'm curious as to why, because when my wife and I had our two kids that were born naturally, because Harrison's adopted, we were going to go that route. And it just, it's fascinating to me, the medical community, is it just because they're so confident in their medicine that they don't, they think this is kind of like, you know, backwards old ways of doing things? Like mm -hmm. why wouldn't they want to have more options on the right. table for people? So, um, in healthcare, well, healthcare is really broken. I mean, I don't think that that's a surprise to anybody. Yes. Say it louder for the people in the mm -hmm. back. Yeah. Um, but obstetrics is probably the highest, um, malpractice that you could get yourself into. People are avoiding obstetrics altogether, um, because of the liability that goes along with it. Like for example, um, when people are pregnant, they automatically anticipate that their their pregnancy will be uncomplicated, their birth will be uncomplicated. When you go to the hospital with a broken arm, you don't go in there like, fix this right now. You're like, oh my God, I broke my arm. You're not for sure what the outcomes are going to be. When you go in with this belly and you enter the hospital to give birth, really... It's not, it's, it's almost like you have already automatically assumed that you're going to have this healthy baby. And when things go wrong, um, we live in a society that wants answers. Um, surely something, something went wrong. You did something wrong. So OBs in their defense, they practice defensive medicine because they're forced to, because of the high premiums that they pay. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And I feel like I have a very good working relationship with my OB doctors. Um, so they just need control in order to be able to. They need control and midwives are the opposite of control. I right. feel like the medical community is very like, like they don't really want to go back on what they've already done, especially like they don't want to change. They're resistant to change, especially something that's going to like make them look obsolete. People are resistant to change. Uh, always. People are resistant to change and nurses, doctors, my children. I mean, <laughs> me personally, we, yes. We can I'm easily stereotype like, oh my gosh, I hear people, midwives, nurses, whatever, say all the time, you know, oh, those OBs. And I really try to not jump on the bandwagon because there's amazing OBs. There are awful OBs. 
there are amazing nurses. There are awful nurses. There's amazing people and not so amazing people. <laughs> it's all the way across the board. And it's really not a good idea to go down the road of like stereotyping, but um, yeah, it's control. I mean, I, I don't think anybody likes to freely give up control of things. And in obstetrics, are medically minded, right? You're, you're taught disease and how to fix things. And a lot of OBs, um, up until the last probably 15 years are men and men are fixers, right? I, I listen sometimes to people and not just in my office, but docs in the hospital, um, like, yeah, let me fix this for you, or we're going to get this fixed for you. And I try to not approach anything that way. Like, what can I do to help you? Mm. I would really like to empower my patients to be active participants and the number one researcher of their own health. And, you know, make it not seem like it's such a one-sided thing. Like the doctor knows all is like, Hey, we're in this together. Me and you were going to figure this out. Yeah. I like to think that I give a whole lot of education, um, or what I call informed consent and I give them their options and I tell them like, well, these are the statistics and statistics are oftentimes, you know, they, they come to the table, but they don't always, you know, mm. there's other things that are involved in that. I take care of women all through, I mean, essentially once they become reproductive years, which nowadays is early as nine years old, all the way through menopause and all the things in between. And I like to think of myself as a primary care provider. I technically am a primary care provider for women. And um, I can do wellness for them, your pap smears, STD testing. I do a lot of health education, um, lifestyle, preventative things. You know, I'm a co-chair at Fury. You wear many hats. I'm super passionate about um, getting people moving and eating healthy. Mm. And if I can't get them moving, at least get them eating healthy. Mm. So I come from a public health background. That's what my degree is in. Uh, We're in the same boat as in trying to educate people the best way. And do you think that is the most effective way to change behavior is to educate people? Do you think that's successful or like, what are your thoughts on that? How do you think the best way to change behaviors are? I wish that I had like a better answer because preaching doesn't generally do a whole lot. I think you almost have to lead by example. People have to see you. They have to know your story and they have to be like, how is this working for him or her? Um, And I get a lot of people who reach out to me like, I see that, you know, you're working out and, you know, you're healthy and you have all these people doing these things. And now these mamas are given birth naturally Mm. and they're having really little complications and they're getting back to, I don't want to say back to, because that's not, they're transitioning into motherhood beautifully without a ton of excess weight and they're not suffering from postpartum depression as much. And they're really just like empowered and ready to take that role from, you know, being uh, maybe a newly married couple to this family now. Um, So I think that's probably the biggest thing is you just lead from the front. If you cannot practice what you preach and maybe don't bother saying it. My wife and I, like I said before, we're going to go with the midwife to deliver our kids. And when we went to the midwife facility, they're kind of like, modern medicine's terrible. They want to hurt you. They just want to inject you. And I was like, I I had a hard time with that because it sounds like there should be a balance. And it sounds like that's what you're trying to achieve is medicine has come a long way and there's a lot it has to offer. For sure. 
midwifery has a long history, like those two things gelling together seems like a great thing. And that was hard. We didn't end up going that route, which it was kind of good because both of our deliveries were really complicated complicated. and you probably could have dealt with it, but we just weren't, we weren't sure Mm -hmm. because modern medicine was terrible. According to this organization, I I didn't feel comfortable with that. Anytime you seek counsel from somebody and they really do a lot of bashing of other people Mm. it's a warning sign or a red light for me yes um i love modern medicine i'm so thankful for it and i think that kind of goes back to what i was talking about about being in a hospital setting i get a lot of flack in the midwifery community um some of it rightfully so because when we talk about birth and physiology like my goal is to keep it as physiologic as possible. Meaning like my goal is to keep you from needing a doctor. If I have you working out and eating healthy and you're doing all the things that you need to do, it decreases your risk that you're going to run into complications. I'm not saying that you can't do everything right. And then bad things happen. It happens all the time. And that's part of the reason why I love um, what I'm doing at Banner Estrella, because I have the ability to have a baby out of a mom's belly in three minutes with an entire team, not just an, uh, an OB, but a NICU team, anesthesia. I have a blood bank that can have me blood in minutes, which we know women still die in childbirth. Women bleed out. Postpartum hemorrhage is real. Mm. Um, and for me, it, it shouldn't be in between. You shouldn't have to choose between mm. no intervention and everything, right? Like what I tell my patients is this, you're just going to see my face all the time mm. until you need to see somebody else's. Yeah. And if we get ourselves into a situation where I need backup or you need more resources, I love being in the hospital because I have all those things. The downfall to being in the hospital right now at this today in 2019 is that is very medicalized. Um, the equipment isn't warm and fuzzy and friendly. And that's my goal. And long-term goal is to set aside a space inside the hospital, whether you call that a birth center, whatever you want to call it, but some rooms and some spaces where these moms who have um, really, really want to do natural childbirth can come in for labor checks more easily without getting admitted to the hospital because, you know, we use words like, well, let, just to be on the safe side, we, we don't, that's not the care they're looking for. They, mm. they want, you know, I teach them to trust in their body and we don't intervene unless we have to. But um, yeah, so modern day midwife was born out of that. I um, joined Australia Women's Health Center and I was the only midwife in the practice and I had to kind of figure out how to brand myself or how can I set myself aside in this practice. And I, I had a catchy little Instagram handle, like you were saying, you mm. got to find one. Um, <laughs> Still looking for it. And I, and I named myself the modern day midwife. I wanted to do um, some posts on Australia Women's Health Center about nutrition and movement and how to avoid complications of pregnancy or how to get your BMI down prior to pregnancy so it would decrease your risk factors. Was there anything like this going on before this idea came about? I mean, I, I think my docs are always trying to decrease their risk factors, but I was trying to go about it a little different way. And when I approached them, they were like, we can't just hand over the baton and let you just go well, they're full hesitant, throttle. <laughs> they wouldn't give me the go ahead. So I got a little feisty and I was like, 
Well, there is a way around this because you cannot be held liable for my rants if I'm my own. Mm. This is separate from you. Like you're, you know, so modern day was um, built out of that. And I just started posting stuff like women's encouragement, nutrition, movement. I started looking into the birth fit community. Um, I've been coaching people in CrossFit now, pregnant women in CrossFit and um, just debunking this Mm. myth that women are these fragile creatures. Like I'm over it. Like women are so freaking strong. I'm a feminist in a sense that I am a humanitarian. Like I'm for all people at all times, Mm. all rights. But like you, I, I love that my husband's a man and there are attributes about him that I will never have. And I really appreciate that in him. And I feel like there's this stigma in this world. Like if you're a feminist, you hate men. Like I love men and respect them, but like we're unique. Like I can't treat your health problems the same way that I treat the health problems of women, although they're similar. Um, my goal is always just tearing down, appealing through these layers, these fears, these insecurities, and these things that women have and letting them know, like, you are not a victim. Mm. Don't come to me and say, what pill can you give me to help me with these things? Like do the work. Like Mm. I will, I will help you in every way that I possibly can. And I love it because I see these women shift from, um, I don't want to say hopeless or victim like mentality to just like warriors. They're empowered. They, you know, they tell me, I heard this quote one time, we're the only mammals that fear birth. Humans are the only mammals that fear birth. And it's so true. I just had a patient, I'm not going to say her name, um, (laughs) but she just had a baby and she was so scared one day in my office. And I didn't know this because she's like, She's a strong woman. She's a runner. She's fit. She's, she's someone I encouraged in her pregnancy for health, but like, I didn't really have to tell her much. She was already doing all of the things. But as we got close to delivery around 35 weeks, she had not wanted a midwife actually I did her new OB. And she told me, well, I really like you. I think I want to stick with you, but I'm telling you now I'm, I want an epidural when I'm like 36 weeks pregnant. And I'm like, perfect. I'll give <laughs> sure, you an epidural. That's what you're saying. Yeah, um, do whatever you want. I mean, because I don't care if you're doing natural childbirth, if you're doing a cesarean section, mm. if you were doing an epidural, like it is not my place to tell you what pain management you need mm. in labor. My, my place is to empower you and to give you the tools, the resources, the benefits, the risks, the side effects, and to let you choose and to stand by your side and kind of act as a guardian of, of her, this woman and this man making those choices for their family. Mm. Um, so when I had always just anticipated, you know, she's gonna, um, get an epidural and whatever, that's wonderful. She's gonna have an amazing birth. And at like 36 weeks, she, we kind of ran through everything and she got really tearful and said to me, um, I'm so scared, Tracy. And she was just like fear in Mm. her face. And I was just like, oh my God, like (laughs) I have failed her. Like, all this time I'm talking about all this stuff. And really the only thing she needed to hear from me her entire pregnancy is how strong she is and that she didn't need to fear this, that she, all the tools that she needed to become a mother, to give birth were all inside her. And she was kind of wait, like she was looking to me to, for these mm-hmm. things. 
which I'm happy to like help, mm. but like they're in her. She Sometimes doesn't even need, need to hear me. That's gonna be okay. Yeah. And, um, I was like, oh my gosh, hold on. So I ran out and I got this book and I'm going to totally blank on it. And it's like, I'll, I'll put it up in the link afterwards yeah, yeah, for people to um, know, but it's essentially hospital, like natural childbirth in a hospital setting. And it's a book that really focuses on giving women their power, power by going into the experience prepared. And, um, she and I had many conversations from there on out and, she rocked birth. She ended up with an epidural because she was in labor for a long time, but had a very quick labor. She delivered the day. I have to say when she delivered, so mm. she'll know that I'm talking about mm. her because she doesn't know this right now. Um, she delivered the day before I left for Hawaii. Mm. And um, she posted the next day when I got on my flight, a picture of herself. And it, the hashtag was like, woman power, mm. strong moms, like everything that I had not heard her say during her entire pregnancy and i don't know it just like that's that's money for me like yeah, that's cool you did your she job she just needed to know that everything she needed is really within her mm. like women go to the hospital kind of like help me save me because we have medicalized birth to the point where people think they like we've been given birth for a long time right for, for without a long any damn time. help <laughs> and only in the last 80 years has it been in a hospital setting mm -hmm. um, because it wasn't a medical condition, right? And we've medicalized it to the point where, which it can be 50%. Let me tell you a statistic and this will make you understand obstetrics much better. 50% of people enter pregnancy obese or overweight. Wow. One of the number one risk factors for pregnancy is obesity. It complicates everything. Hypertension, gestational diabetes. Um, I mean, the list goes on soft tissue dystocia. They're more likely to have hormonal problems and they don't go into labor on their own. Their babies are bigger. They're at much more risk for cesarean sections in the postpartum period. They're at risk for postpartum depression, hemorrhage, delayed wound healing, breastfeeding problems. The list goes on and on. And that is why obstetrics is so important at this point, because complications are going to arise. Women are going to die in childbirth and thank God for the OBs that we have that are there doing the work. But for myself and not just promoting my business, like my job is to decrease those numbers because I'm sick and tired of seeing all of the medicalized things that go on with birth because people, and, and this is a debate that midwives have with OBs. They say a lot of times like, well, they, they make everything medical. Well, it is med when you're coming in to pregnancy with a BMI of 40, it's no longer physiologic. Mm. You have a pathologic disease going on before the baby even starts forming and it changes the whole game. It doesn't mean that you should just be managing them medically, but how do we get to these women? How do I get to my 16 year old that comes to me for birth control and get it in her head that I want her to be thinking about her reproductive years when she's 13 years old. I want gym classes and health classes to be talking about health being represented by what you eat, how you feel, your spirituality. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. And we just, I'm like, what are we doing at school? Right? I feel like <laughs> the approach that like that everyone, every pregnancy or like can be kind of like 
compared to the medical field in that like it's not a cookie cutter one size fit all everything like, everyone's different everyone's going to have a little bit different experience like that's i feel like that's what tracy's doing with this modern day midwife is like an individual basis type care not like everyone gets the same treatment which i think well, sometimes that happens well, just going to the hospital is a cookie cutter approach oh, yeah. right? just like cutter. only midwifery is a cookie cutter approach that's why i love right. the, the combination there so that's a that's a good segue what you were saying about women's health and and pregnancy and giving birth you're a crossfit coach you're a midwife how do those two paths connect and and what do you say to women who are pregnant yeah. who want to work out who is crossfit right for them like how yeah. does that yeah come so together? if you've never done crossfit before in your life i'm not 100 percent sure i would say hey come join crossfit while mm. you're pregnant because um I'm a little too conservative for that, <laughs> but movement is key. And, um, I mean, I'm even actually finding that like yoga is amazing for pregnant people because it's really all about the breath and the pelvic floor and all the changes in the posture and stuff during pregnancy. But if you are active, I mean, I meet people where they are. If I have a runner, I, I keep her running during pregnancy if I have a yogi, I keep her doing yoga. If I have a CrossFitter, I keep her doing CrossFit, but I really, really dive into safe CrossFit, um, meaning risk benefit ratio. Like you're going to want to lift more when you're pregnant, surprisingly, because those hormone levels go up and these women get like super strong. And maybe deadlifting is amazing and a super safe, like squat, front squat, back squat, you name it. Those are wonderful movements. But once we get into the third trimester and some of the hormones that make your ligaments a little bit softer. It's called relaxing, right? Yeah, it is. And I um, science. I, I highly encourage those people to look, you know, I teach them certain things like um, positioning. And if they get uh, bubbling or, or signs of diastasis recti, um, to never do positions that put them at risk for that. Because long term... Yeah, you can you can fight through it, right? I mean, you can do a set of a hundred toes to bar when you're nine months pregnant <laughs> if you want to. I don't but do I don't really think that that's like a beneficial thing. So I try to teach my patients like um, there's a time and place for everything. You don't really want to do. And again, this isn't going to hurt the baby. These things that you're doing in CrossFit are rarely going to hurt your baby. It's just you're going to put stress on your body that probably isn't beneficial. Um, and learning how to scale down some of those movements is totally a passion of mine. Because and you would uh, advise or advise anyone that was had a midwife to listen to that midwife when they were going through their pregnancy, right? <laughs> I feel like you're talking to somebody yeah, maybe, in particular. Maybe, I don't yeah. know. You know, you know though, <laughs> um, hindsight, looking back on some of that. That's you, Nicole, if you're listening to this. <laughs> um, looking back on that, you know what? Like that's what she needed mentally yeah. because she's not a, like she's not just an, an everyday gal and not no, even just an everyday athlete. She's really a competitive athlete. And that's where she needed to be met. And when it met me running, uh, coming in four days postpartum and doing a workout with her on a Sunday, mm. because I knew she was going to come yeah. with or without me, <laughs> that's where I met her, even though yeah. it was on the gym floor and I wasn't where I wanted her to be. 
Um, she was safe. At, I mean, look at her. Yeah, I can't, she's a freak. I can't argue. Nicole's one of my best friends, yeah. by the way. So if you're wondering that. And I think that's what you said, like cookie cutter approach, like that's mm. not going to work for some people. Yeah. And I wouldn't advise it, but that's what she needed at that time. And yeah. that's where Every we went. Every day it was a process of me and Nicole of like, Hey, how do you feel? Like, Oh, I feel good. But like, part of me was like, yeah, that's the competitor <laughs> in your head telling you, you feel good, but you also have a baby. And usually I lost the battle. We've talked about this on probably multiple yeah. episodes, but it was a learning experience for me as a coach. And I was, I was learning along with like you. I mean, it was yeah, like, we had a tribe of like, it was mm-hmm. a coach, like you, Jordan, me, like Peter, like it was all of us kind of like figuring this out together. It's growing. I mean, you're seeing women do CrossFit throughout their whole pregnancy and it's a wonderful thing. I get a little bit I don't want to say judgy, but I don't love some of the social media posts where people are, you see these women, they're going a hundred percent. I don't really think it's necessary to be going a hundred percent cardiovascular wise. I mean, because your body's already circulating 30 to 40% more volume at this point and your heart's working double just standing. So I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge, I I don't think you need to be going a hundred percent here in a CrossFit gym when you're nine months pregnant. I think you, your, your whole goal is to be moving, to stay strong. And really your focus shifts from, um, you know, your why you always talk about people's why, why are you here? Some, for some people it's vanity for some people. It's like, I want a six pack and that's I want to look here. good naked. That's yeah, I definitely, look good naked. that's the goal for, uh, of some people. Yeah, for other myself, people still working on it. <laughs> they're fighting mental health battles or whatever. I want your focus when you're pregnant to be on how do I get ready for birth and how do I prepare for this new life that I'm about to undertake and a year possibly of breastfeeding and really allowing those stores and all of the things that need to physiologically occur for you to have an uncomplicated course. Like that's your shift and that's Mm. what I'm preparing people for. And that doesn't have to be CrossFit. If it is, that's awesome because Mm. I love it. And I would do it if I was pregnant, but whatever they're doing, Mm -hmm. I support them in it. This question has came in my head while we were talking about this is like, you've kind of created your lane. You're, you're going for this new thing within your field. What advice would you give someone trying to do something that hasn't been done yet or isn't mainstream or like against the grain? I would even say. I find, and I found this throughout my whole life. Like if you're following the crowd, you're heading in the wrong direction. Um, and probably some of that comes from like my Christianity and I have a strong um, faith in God. And I'm like, my goal is to serve God. And that takes me in an opposite direction of what the world tells us to do. Oftentimes, like we live in a society right now of me, 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 and my persistence and endurance and passion to serve other people was blended with my experience and my passion for women and birth. Um, so that's what drove me. Like I knew that I had been put on this earth for a, a purpose and I was kind of sitting back, you know, going through the motions of life and I was being asked to do more. And every time I wanted to quit and every time I met a roadblock, which was literally like every four weeks, I <laughs> would get news like, you're done. This isn't happening. Mm. Um, I was just, at first I would freak out. And then I was like, Mm-mm, that's not his plan for me. So if you haven't come this far to only get this far. Yeah. So my, my advice to anybody, like life is not easy. Relationships are not easy. Your passion, 
um, serving other people, none of it's going to be easy. Like ease, if you're, if, if your life is easy, you're doing it wrong. Mm, like agreed. you need to be pushing forward and I don't know. I shouldn't say you need to be, maybe that's not everybody's thing. It's coming to mind for me. Like you were very re- yeah, resilient. Be you resilient. Go when he says go know when he says no, mm. like you gotta be listening. Like there's a voice I think in everybody that we try to hush and quiet, like listen to that voice, let it drive you. Sometimes that voice gets me in trouble though. Cause I, I sometimes, it. yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know which voice you should yeah, exactly. follow. There's a couple of voices in my head and I'm not mentally insane. I just feel like both of them got Keep different knocking. ideas sometimes. And I, I love the idea of when stuff gets difficult, you still have to push through that. We talked mm. about in our, um, deep thoughts for time, the man in the arena thing, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it's you, one of my favorite. You've, you've got to, you've got to push through and people don't want to confront the difficult things. When things get difficult, they're like, oh, that's too much for yeah. me. I can't do it. But you're not going to get anywhere unless you learn how to push through that. Yeah. Just like your, your patient who didn't feel like she could, could do it. She was scared to, to yeah. give birth. And by the end of it, she's like, flexing her muscles. She's like, I just did this. She's Mm. not going to be scared next time if she has another baby because she had to go through that hardship. And it's sad to see people who don't want to deal with conflict, difficulty, things like that. That's how you get better. I would hate to have to take a turn on this, but like we still got to get some like CrossFit Fury history out of Tracy. Like we didn't, we haven't barely talked about the gym. Um, How long have you been here at CrossFit Fury? I started here, is it 2011? Yeah. No, it's 2019 now. Yeah. 2011. Okay. So funny story, Mickey's son, I'm going to put a shout out to her because she is a fellow pioneer. Mm. She's a birth worker and she's getting ready to graduate from midwifery school. And she's a longtime friend of mine. One of the first people I met when I moved here from Cincinnati, um, 14 years ago, she was always just like trying out new things. And she says to me, her birthday is like April 1st. Oh, I'm probably saying it wrong. Her birthday's in April. And she says to me, I am going to this place called CrossFit Fury. And that's the only thing I want for my birthday. And I said, you're crazy. People who do CrossFit are weird. Strange. (laughs) Strange people. Um, My, just so you know this about me, like my background is no, like, in high school, like I told you, I was not, a, I, I suffered with really bad bulimia, mm-hmm. anorexia. Um, I was going through a lawsuit for four years over the death of somebody mm-hmm. at my house. Like it, my high school was hell for mm-hmm. me. I didn't exercise. I just focused on like school and doing the bare minimum, going to work and not getting into too much trouble. Um, so I don't, I'm not an athlete. And I was a lady with the jacked arms right now. She's made out of stone. Okay. I wasn't a child (laughs) athlete. Um, but my, my long, long bout with anorexia and, um, struggling with my weight and struggling with, um, I had endometriosis, I got diagnosed with endometriosis when I was young and come to find out at 38 they're related significantly mm. with depression and anxiety. And it's just, I thought that was normal because everyone in my family has endometriosis and everyone in my family has mm. anxiety and depression. So my um, family, I shouldn't say my family, many people choose to go the route of antidepressants. Mm. And I chose to go um, one hour of intense exercise a day. And for me, the only thing I knew how to do because I was not athletic was run. So I would um, meet Jessica and Liz, mm. like this was in 2005. 
by the way, 2005, so a long time ago, Uh, 14 years ago, I would meet them at Lifetime Fitness and we would hit the stair climber and the treadmill for an hour, running seven, eight, nine (laughs) miles a day. Um, And you thought you were getting after it. Oh, I was like 110 pounds and just not an ounce of muscle. And I just, you know, I was weight watchers. That's what call a hamster. I was a hamster. Just hamster on a wheel. I I hadn't learned. I like, I had this mentality, like the smaller I am, the stronger Mm. I am. The smaller I am, the better woman I am. And it, um, I'll go back to that. So anyhow, (laughs) she asked her skinny little friend, Tracy, she didn't ask me. She's basically mm. like, this is what you're doing for my birthday. And I'm like, proposition. If you yeah. want to come to my birthday, you're coming. You're coming here. So I, told, I invite and like uninvite people to my birthday all the time. So yeah. yeah. So I told Jordan, I said, I'm going to this CrossFit gym with Mickey for her birthday. And I can't wait to tell you about it. Cause this is like cult like stuff. And he was like, cross what? Like mm-hmm. he didn't know anything about that. So anyway, I go, I do this workout with her, Amy, was the manager at the time. And she's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, how much is it? Mm. I joined that day. I've never looked back. I never went back into lifetime fitness once. Why did you join that day? I loved it. Why? Um, well at that point it was like, oh my God, I can do something other than just run. Mm. Like I can air. Just showed you other options that are possible. I was too lazy to like, we tried the weight machines and stuff. I always felt like just silly on them. Like, I don't know. Yeah, totally. Yes. yes. (laughs) Um, And I was like, okay, this is like a no brainer because I can just come here and they're going to tell me what to do. And this is really fun. So then I had to go home and tell Jordan, like, a, I joined this CrossFit. Yeah. Um, so that's how I got into CrossFit and I loved it. Like immediately. And again, at that point, it was basics was only three days a week. So I was going Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I was running Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, like long, you know, I had trained for a half marathon and I was still doing my runs with my girls. I started endurance with mm. the people here um, on Thursday mornings. We would go yeah, and so run. Everyone thank Tracy for the endurance. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It all started well, with Tracy and some friends. We, I shouldn't even say that. I mean, like Karen Zaytab ended up joining mm. me and some of the girls, Amy would do runs with me as well. I think like, anyway, I can't remember who all, we, we would meet at 6am in the canal and we would run the dirt canals. And mm. that was like our off day. Tuesdays, we did something called detention because it wasn't called barbell. <laughs> and it detention. was, you had to come in and work on your like goat work. Yeah, like, you know, you didn't I do. never had touched a barbell ever in my life. And Marcus is the person who taught me Marcus and Pete. So that's why I don't move well. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Peter. Peter's going to hate us. I, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Peter has taught me, if Peter has taught me anything in life, it's about community and persistence and endurance. Like he has amazing ability to shut out the world and mm-hmm. go to that place during his workouts. And he's always pushed me towards that, which is probably my biggest obstacle. My, mentally, I quit all the mm-hmm. time. I'm like, I can't do this because again, so going back to that smallest human in the world, CrossFit slowly over the last eight years 
I went from, I want to be skinny to, I want to be strong to strength means I have to have muscle strength means I don't fit in my zero jeans anymore. Mm. Cause I have muscle that's not going to fit in here. Um, over, yeah. overcoming all of these obstacles. I mean, I threw my scale out five years ago, haven't weighed in two years. I refuse to be a slave. I did that my whole life. And I changed my motto. Like I want to take up some space in this world, you know, like I'm worth it and I'm not going to try to make myself small or skinny. I'm not going to quiet myself. Um, And CrossFit is 100% what taught me to be unapologetically large. Large and And persistent. Large in in mindset and in bicep. Yeah. Which is important. I'm like a woman of metaphors. Like my whole, I love, I love Christianity because it's all parables and you know, like how to relate things. And that is CrossFit to me my ability to come in here and grind through something I don't want to do gives me the mental fortitude to go out into the world and do it Mm. It, to cheer other people on, to have healthy competition with other people. Um, And, and for me, I would be medicated if I didn't do it. Like my depression and anxiety overwhelms me even on my one day of well, rest. This is the medicine. Like the, this the, is my medicine. Yeah, yeah. This is the medicine. Mm. And I think that that is the message that I want to send as a, as the modern day midwife. Yeah. Like there's give us, give us so your parting words. Like if you, if you want to leave on one statement, what, what would you be? Oh, that's what would it be? like way too much pressure. <laughs> I can't do well, that. You can't mess this up. Um, I guess the message I want to leave with people is I've been fighting adversity since I was young and being blamed for, um, you know, the death of my good friend and watching him slip out of this world at a young age made me realize that people are like life is precious and it drove me for a long time to pay back to the world. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted, I wanted to make sure that his life wasn't in vain and that I showed other people like I care about humanity. I care about making this world better, which was not really why I do what I do. I've grown up from that. I don't carry mm. that burden with me as much, but um, like just get after it. Mm. Like w- life is so short, go out and serve other people. And when you get so lost in serving other people and being a part of, you know, and reciprocating that love and those things that universally, when you talk about people's, um, their whys, like they're all different, but they're all the same. Like we all want to be loved. We all want to be a part of something. And, and CrossFit is that. Hmm. Well, hell yeah, Tracy. I love that. It's been awesome having you on the Forging Fury podcast. This is another classic, I think, instantly gold. 1,000 listens and views and all the things. I know. We're lucking out, man. Yeah, we, we are hitting sixes at these interviews, dude. Yes, we are. Well, we keep having these strong-ass women on here. Like they, they just keep knocking it out of the park. We just, uh, we're like, we're, we're the uh, alley-oop, and they just dunk it down each time. Yeah, no kidding. We have to get some guys on here and just pray they can even hold a yeah, candle. Yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. We need to cut to like the song Girls by Beyonce. Who run the world, girls? <laughs> I'll use that as my outro. Please. So, uh, yeah, get Who us out of here and I'll, I'll play it. Go. <laughs> All right, sweet people, this has been the Forging Fury Podcast. Me, myself, and uh, my co-host, Michael Gray. Um, here's what you, we need you to do. We need you to go down and give us five stars so we can reach more people. We want to reach your friends, your grandma's friends, and your friend's grandma. So go down, leave us a review, and five stars if you'd like. Well, actually, we're not giving you an option to do it. Oh